As I was just tearing through Scripture, there was so much on the blood and the power that's in the blood of Christ. And it doesn't make sense to some people when I speak to them about it, when they ask, well, why did Jesus have to die? Because it doesn't really make sense, the Old Testament views of sacrifice and such things, but it kind of gives a quick little rundown of the reasons why in Ephesians, and I like they're in Hebrews, and I like that. In chapter 9, verse 6, the writer here is speaking of the earthly tabernacle, the one they had in the Old Testament, where they brought the sacrifices in and what they did. Well, first, before we get to that, I'll read that. I'll read it. When everything had been arranged in verse 6, chapter 9, verse 6, when everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer court to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered into the inner room, and only... And that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed, as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered we're not able to clear the consciences, conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings and external regulations applying until the time of the new order. So in the beginning, when God created man and woman, and they sinned, they fell, God had to kill an animal. He, does, he, he said he, he gave them a covering of animal skins. He had slaughtered an animal, and he gave them covering. So their sin brought bloodshed on the earth. And it took bloodshed, it took blood to cover them. Because, of course, anytime you would skin something, there was going to be blood. There is going to be pain, there's going to be death. So blood has been in this book. It's in the first book all the way to the last book, the blood that was shed. Look at even the first, the first set of children. There was bloodshed. There was bloodshed since the fall and ever since, all the way until the end of creation when God says the time is up. Blood. So in the fall, the separation, the blood it took to cover them, but it couldn't actually take away their sins. It just covered. It just covered their nakedness. And all through the Old Testament, it shows this picture of the blood. And they had to continue to do this as a reminder and as a picture of things to come. But it says it left this here in chapter 9. On, uh, where is it? In verse 9, this, this is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. So it covered him, but it never cleared the conscience. It has never cleared his conscience. So let me skip. Let's go to verse 11 now. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went 
He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. That is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of blood and goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are, cer- who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who, is through, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse, us, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Have you been cleansed by the blood? Is your conscience clear before God? Has God cleansed your conscience, made your conscience? Do you have a conscience that's void of offense before God? Or do you need the blood? See, the blood is pretty powerful because it, can re- it, can ha- it has something for everyone. It has something for the unbeliever. It has justification. We're justified by the blood that was shed. His blood can justify us before our God. It has power in the new believer for strength, for a washing. His blood washes us. It washes our conscience and our minds. It has power all the way for those who even to the end. How will they overcome in the book of Revelations? Was it chapter 12, verse 11? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. See, the blood goes through everything. And if you read and even in the Old Testament, the blood is the life of the animal. It is the lifeblood. Now, it's not grotesque, and some people are scared of blood, but the blood cleanses us from all we read the other night in 1 John, 1 John, what was it, chapter 1, verse 5. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. All sins. How many of you would like to be purified from all sins? Well, there's our, we got hands, I know I could... All sins, every single one. The sins that lead to death, the sins that may not lead to death. The sins of commission, the sins of omission. The things I did do and maybe even the things I didn't do. His blood washes it. His blood first has to wash me, wash my mind from the inside. See, in the Old Testament, they would be sprinkled by these things. They would be sprinkled and what touched them made them clean. But now God comes in. It made them outwardly clean, but it never cleansed their conscience. But now God comes in and he didn't do it the same way. He did it once and for all. He did it for everyone. He did it in a way that when you're emptied of your own life, He will fill you. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ and trusting in the blood and even praying in the power of the blood. See, the blood's the only thing that can save you. It's the only thing that can save you. It was Christ's blood that tore the veil. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. It was Christ's blood who made the way back to God. Now, some people, now I've got to be careful, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot. Be careful what kind of Christianity you follow. See, in, in the book of Corinthians, Paul was writing to the people in Corinth saying, I'm scared that if someone comes and preaches another Christ, 
You may believe it. So in the book, it actually speaks of another Christ. And I think we have that. We have many, many false examples of who Christ is today. What does the word of God say? Now, we say, well, I have faith. I've trusted in his blood. Oh, how do you know? Have you ever been lied to and you believed it? So how do we know? Well, I know in my heart, and my heart tells me I'm saved. Well, have you ever read that the heart is deceitfully wicked and beyond knowing? Well, I talked to a preacher or the youth group leader, and he told me I was saved. How do you know they were saved? Well, I look like everyone in my church. I'm like my pastor. I'm like my friend. I'm like this guy, and he's very spiritual. We like the same things and dislike some of the same things, and we all go and do the same things together. How do you know that he's saved? But all I have to ask you is this. What does the word of God say? What does the word of God say about your life? Does his spirit testify with your spirit that you're his child? Are you washed? Are you washed in the power of the blood? Are we still clinging to pain and suffering? Let the blood wash it. The blood can cleanse it. The blood can go right straight through everything. Think about your body. Nothing is hindered from your blood reaching it. Let it penetrate your heart and your soul. The power that's in the blood. You see, we fell. Not just Adam and Eve. Us. Our sins, your sins, has separated you from your God. And we walked in our own pride and our own anger, and our own selfish ambitions. Some God has been able to turn. Some have still hardened. But this Christ that we follow. Let me read some more. And then we'll get into that. Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we... Chapter 19, I'm sorry. Please excuse me. Verse 10, chapter 19. You should all be mind readers by now, shouldn't you? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess For he who promised is faithful. I may not have any ability in even getting a message across or a point across. And I might be all over the place at times. And I might have, I know I have a lot of things that left to be desired. But are you, are you pure in heart? I may not be entertaining, but is what I'm saying and what I'm asking true? They see, that's all we have to answer. Not is, well, I don't like the way he delivered it, or I do like the way he delivered this, and I don't really know much about him or what he's doing, or he's not a very good speaker. The last thing I want to be is a good speaker. The last thing I want to be is able to get up here and do a fine job in my own strength. I hope God strikes me down. The first chance I do it, if I ever do it, 
But the only thing we have to answer to is, is what this poor creature is saying. Is it true? Is it true about me? Is our belief in Jesus something just to save our own skin or to keep us out of, out of hell and into heaven? See, Jesus didn't die upon the cross to get you out of hell and into heaven. He died upon the cross to get God out of heaven into you. Now, when we came to Christ, was it, well, hell, hell sounds pretty bad, and I don't really want to go there, so just in case, I think I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to follow this Jesus. Now, see, there's more than one Christ. There's a Christ that we follow in our own selfishness. There's a Christ that some people follow that we use God's word to fulfill our own desires. There's a Christ sometimes that we tend to follow that was only there because of me. See, the humanism crept into the church a number of years ago. And humanism can be defined by this. It's kind of a statement that the end of all things is the good of man. So everything in heaven, God exists in heaven because the good of man. And Jesus and all the angels and everything there is that's good is all for the good of man. And that's not true. That's not true. It's all God's. Every last bit of it. I get scared sometimes when people sing about claiming the streets of gold and all these things for themselves. I kind of understand what they get, but I can't do that. It's all God's. All of it's God's. God's not going to come back and just... When He comes back, He's going to look at everything. Every person, every power, every authority... And he's going to say, mine, mine, mine. It's all for him. It was all created for him, by him, and through him. All for his glory. Nothing that was created was not created by him and for him. It's all his. Your spouse, your children, your job, your money, your own life, your own breath. It's all his. He gives us breath. It's all his. The only thing you almost even have one possession of is one beat of your heart. That's all you have. The little space between the next beat or the little space before you die when it stops. That's all you really own. That's all you own. Has the blood washed you? Has he went through you and penetrated? Are you still struggling with the same things you were last month or a week or two years later? Anger, anger, envy, jealousy, greed, selfishness. The greatest of all. Where everything stems from. Selfishness. It's where all anger, where all greed, all lust, all envy, all strife, all comes from selfishness. Everything. All comes. But praise God that the blood can cover it. The blood can wash it. If you let it have its way in you. See, our God is a consuming fire. Let him have his way. Let me finish here. Let me go on. In verse 24. And let us, chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, 24. Still in Hebrews. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, let us encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Now I want us to be real about this next verse, this next couple. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left. 
but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that consumes the enemies of God. Is this our life? This is the test. See, Scripture says to test yourself and see if you're in the faith. Try yourselves. Take the Word of God. Hold it up to your life. Soak yourself in it. Let it pierce you, cut you all the way through. Because it's sharp. It's alive. This book will come alive in your lap. And it will cut you in two. Are you deliberately going on sinning? Even after you've known the way? Are you still struggling with something? Let the blood wash it. Let him cleanse it. Let him move in your life. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's the greatest power, the greatest source of life in all creation is the blood of Christ, the blood of God's own Son, love being poured out for us. See, I'm empty. I'm empty. I need God to fill me. I need God to move in me. I can't make it a few minutes. I'm the last person that should be up here. But God, because of His blood, has chosen this. I was reading, I got a little encouragement today about the sufferings of Christ and being made perfect. And I kind of applied myself to that because this is the hardest thing for me to do. It's not easy. It's not easy to be crushed. It's not easy to have your soul just see the hearts or just see the other souls and know that I have to get up and speak the words of God and feel your soul be crushed. Have you ever felt the weight of another person's sin? Even one person's sin? It's enough to crush you. Have you ever felt the weight of the sin of the whole world? It's enough to crush you. Scripture says it pleased God to crush him. Speaking of his son on the cross, it pleased Yahweh to crush him. Has it crushed your own soul? That a man poured out his blood. Christ died to set you free. You see, because flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So he became flesh and blood. He became sin who knew no sin. That you might become the righteousness of God. Is that your life today, believer? Is that your life today? Are you the righteousness of God? Or do you still need the blood? Has the cross pierced you through? Has a sacrifice that was been made, that has been made, has it penetrated? Or is it all here? See, many people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Because it's all here. And it's the mental ascent. And they have an understanding of there is a God. And I believe and I believe. I, I know Jesus all did this. But they're going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Because it's never penetrated their heart. It's never penetrated their, the core of who they are. And steered their whole body and their whole being. 
And their mouths are still full of all the wicked things that come out of their own heart. And their eyes are still looking on the same old things. They still believe, but it's never changed them. It's never turned them. See, the blood can wash that. The blood still has power in it. It's still mighty to save. God's arm is not too short. The only thing that hinders is our sins we throw up before Him. You see, Scripture says that your iniquities have separated from, between you and your God, that He will not hear your voice until you've humbled yourself and become obedient even unto death as Christ. See, the blood brings about one thing. Before I can receive His blood, I must be emptied of mine, my own life. See, the life is in the blood. And until my life is emptied out, I cannot take that transfusion that's needed to make a new life in me. I still have the old life. Or if I try to squeeze in some of his blood in with my blood, I have this mixed blood. And then I'm like half dead and half alive. I'm alive on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I'm dead on the rest of the week. Where are we at in that? Is this blood flowing through your veins? Does your heart begin to race whenever you think of your own sin or His grace or His forgiveness? Does it move you to pray? Does it move you to beg, beg Him before the throne of God to forgive you and to heal you and to wash you? You see, it's never going to be on your own ability. I know many of us today, we think, well, yes, I do this and I do this wrong, but I'm trying to do better. Let the blood of Christ wash it. You come up here and you pour it out and you let Him fill you. You will never beat it on your own. God leaves those one, two, five different things in your life for a reason that you can't overcome. Maybe you come to Christ and you get a few things cleaned up and you're a little bit more socially acceptable. Maybe some of us. He purposely leaves those things in your life. Because man can't do it on his own. With man, these things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. Why do you think he writes that? He wants you to humble yourself and come before Him and fall down and just poverty stricken. I have nothing. I have no ability. I have no way to heal myself of this God. I'm completely trusting in you. See, faith seems weak to us. But it's the only thing that will save you and it's the only thing that will save your family. Faith. Faith leaves no ability of yourself. If I was to call someone to come and do my taxes... I would have to place my faith in them because I have no ability to do those. If I needed someone to to operate on one of my children, I would have to have someone. I would have to have a surgeon, someone who's trained. I would have to have faith because I have no ability to do that. Your own salvation is never your own ability. You're fighting against your flesh and you're striving back and forth. You have a week where you where you make it and you thought you did good, but you fall again because you're doing it on your own ability. Faith in the blood of Christ is the only thing that can wash you. First John, go back to that. Walk in the light as He is in the light, and the blood of Jesus will purify you. His blood, not your blood. His blood purifies you from all sin, not your own ability. No, matter of, no amount of fasting or praying or even st- His blood does it. It is only by the blood. I think it's one of our songs. One of the verses, only by the blood. Only by what was paid on the, on the cross will you be saved. And that's it. Nothing else. 
Nothing more, nothing less. The blood has plenty of power left in it. But there's no power up until you get it. Take the blood out of someone in this room. They have no strength. If they lose just a little bit, your strength is gone, isn't it? Your strength is gone. In this world, if you lose some blood, enough blood. But if we've been called of God, we're almost, our fight is not against flesh and blood no more. Powers, principalities, authorities, and dark rulers in the heavenly places. We're in a spiritual battle, so we need spiritual blood. Does that make sense to us? If I lose some of my blood, I have no strength in this world. Now, if I'm trying to live, live above this world, I need blood that's above this world because I don't have what it takes. I need God's blood in me. And if I'm even a little bit low, I won't have strength. But God's blood in us gives us the strength. Has he washed you? Is he everything to you? See, God's just not our Sundays, and God's just not our Wednesdays. Is he everything? Are we clinging to him? I said, I may not be entertaining, but is what I'm saying, is what I'm saying true? His blood has more power than we can ever imagine. Remember when his blood hit the ground, the earth shook. And if his blood ever hits you, you'll shake. And everyone around you will shake by what God is doing in your life. It shook so hard, it tore the temple. It broke the temple, tore the veil, separated the way. The only thing that was blocking mankind from God was that veil, and it tore it right in two. I like to imagine just one, blood, one drop of blood just dropping down and hitting the ground was enough. And if it ever shakes you, you'll be torn in half. Let us ask ourselves today, are we living in that power, in the strength of the blood of Christ? Have we been made new? Are we, see, blood continually makes us new. If you ever studied, I heard a sermon once about a guy, he was talking about blood, and a doctor, he was telling all the scientific stuff about all the things about blood. And if any of you have any nursing or medical history, you might know. But the blood brings life to every bit of the body. And what it does is amazing. It's absolutely amazing, the different parts of blood that brings life and, and takes away impurities and washes away things that are, that are not clean or toxins that are in your muscles and different things that washes it away. There's different aspects. There's multiple different things in the blood, in one little bit of blood, that is to wash away everything that's impure inside of you and take it to a place that it can be cleansed and expelled from the body. The blood is amazing just how God created us. And I love the more that we dig into science, the more we see a picture of Christ. The farther people go to disprove him, the more they prove he exists. Praise God. I praise him for what he's done in the shedding blood of his own son to make us new, to become death, become sin for us. Let me read something in Revelations as I close here. Chapter 1, verse 5. We'll start in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, 
the firstborn from the dead and ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests and to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. His blood sets you free. His blood sets you free. How free are you this morning? Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 9.45 a.m. with worship services at 10.45 a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is Downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 8.30 for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.